podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Andy. Hi, I'm James. Hi, I'm Paul. And I'm Matt. And this is Leeds That. So lads, why are we sat in my kitchen at nearly midnight on a Sunday night with a box of Kit Kats in front of us, four cans of Carabao energy drink and talking about Leeds United? Because there's not enough podcasts about Leeds United, is there Paul? No, I certainly haven't listened to the Square Ball Talking Shot and LS11 this week and would have listened to the Phil Hay one if that was still a thing. So it's obvious that we just need to, you know put more out there I think in the marketing community they call it clear white space there's a gap in the market and we're here to fill it very apt for our team colours as well indeed maybe we should have called it clear white space (laughs) that's a good point why did you call it Leeds that James well it does stem from the fact that um, it is a very good phrase within the community which is Leeds will hit an all time high and then somehow tragically hit the very bottom you know Uh, example would be beating Derby County Three times. Three times? Three, three times. times. And then losing. Three and a half times. Yeah, three yeah. and a half, definitely. That's so the sublime to the ridiculous. Exactly. It's a very leads that moment. Turn down £10 million for your best defender. Have him described as the best player in the team by the manager. And then sell him for half that value to Brentford. Leads that. that. I think what's worth saying straight away is that there are... There are there are many fantastic Leeds United podcasts that review games and talk about the incoming and outgoing fixtures, for, uh, transfers, talk about the fixtures, and we do want to try and do something a little bit different. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we're all fans of those podcasts and listen to them avidly, and we fancied a crack at it. So yeah, Paul, if you don't mind, uh, I'm putting you on the spot a bit, just telling people about what they can expect from the podcast, if that's all right. So there'll be the... Uh, regular commentary on what's going on current affairs within Leeds United thoughts on that uh, but also a little tip of the hat to the past having a look back at some of our favourite memories and working some trivia games around that just to uh, look back on fonder times as well sounds good do you think people will be able to join in as well um, get- that's the hope the hope is that you're not just sat at home listening to think whether or not it's something that you find entertaining that we're having a chat about it's also to be able to uh, look back yourself and reminisce and look at some of the good times and, uh, and probably not so good times because there's you know the old song goes ups and downs we'll uh, touch on them in plenty of detail leads that we go to games and we spend time there, but they're always in a fueled environment, aren't they? And we we rarely get chances, as mates to sit down and just talk about Leeds United. So I think this has somehow turned it into a a really good regular event for us to just get together and talk about Leeds. And then and I think because we've turned it into a podcast and not just going to the pub and getting pissed, that it's we're actually going to do it for a productive sake. Would have been cheaper going to the pub though, wouldn't it? Quite possibly. For, for some of us, yes. <laughs> that is definitely true. Um, How do you see it working? Well, I think we're going to get together and do uh, one of these podcasts every month. Uh, so we're not going to give you too much to listen to. But in between those podcasts around the games and big events, new signings, that type of thing, we'll um, connect from our homes remotely and uh, have a chat about it and put those out as um, extra little podcasts in between the main ones. 
I'm looking forward to quite do, you know doing segments uh, and games and stuff, and for people to join in as well. We want kind of people to send in ideas or anything that they hear in the podcast that correct us on it if it's wrong. Um, There'll be plenty of that, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, really looking forward to it. Mainly just for hanging out with you guys. That sounds a bit cheesy, doesn't it? But it'd be good fun. So let's get straight into it then, lads. So the people listening won't know much about us, and I think the traditional way to introduce yourself to. Uh, Another Leeds United fan is to tell them your first game and your favourite player of all time. So, Andy, what was the first game that you watched and who's your favourite player? That I've seen play live? No, not necessarily. Right, it's the same. Anyway, it's David Batty. Love that bloke. Had the privilege of meeting him last year in a coffee shop. Nothing to do with Nathan. You'll find about that later. Uh, First game. From memory... The, the, the first game I remember going to live was Leeds United 2, Grimsby Town nil in the FA Cup fourth round. It was Saturday the 24th of January 1998. How old were you then, Andy, or is that a bit unveiling? Um, wait a minute, basic maths. 10. I was 10. 10. Late starter. Yeah, I remember Bob Molinar scoring just on half-time, and then... Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, everyone's favourite player when they're that age. But my favourite player of all time for me is David Batty. Man's a just monster. Liked to pass sideways, didn't he? And hurt people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> One of my favourite Batty memories was actually an England shirt when he uh, did that overhead kick into that Tunisian fella's fess. In the same year that we beat Grimsby? Yes, that summer. Yeah. First game I went to was with uh, Matt. For his birthday, uh, he'll probably know the date because. All uh, oh, right, he shaking well, his head. It was near my. It was around my birthday. It was around your birthday. I would yeah. say twenty third of. The, re- the reason why I said that is because you'll come to realise that Matthew and Paul as well are encyclopedic when it comes to Lee's knowledge. It's much easier when you've got Wikipedia. Well, there is that to back up your points, definitely. But um, but yeah, it was Leeds versus Blackburn, uh, three all. Alan Shearer scored a hat trick for Blackburn. I was absolutely right. 23rd of October, 1993. Really? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's that is my first memory of uh, of Leeds match. And um, favorite player? God, that's so hard, isn't it? Um, probably McAllister. I saved up all my pocket money to have his uh, name and number on the back of my shirt when I was a kid. Because he used to, I think, he used to pay by the letter. Then I think now it's just a set price. But uh, yeah, it cost me a fortune. It did. It was by the letter. Mm. Yeah. Is it not anymore? No, apparently it's a set price. <laughs> Paul, what about you? Uh, 18th of September 1996, Leeds United versus Darlington in the League Cup. Wow. Two all. Rodney Wallace scored, and Rodney Wallace scored again. Rodney Wallace, favourite player of all time? No, no. I think I'm going to go with... I don't know. The first one that comes into my head is Mark Viduka. So I'm going to go with Mark, Mark Viduka. I like that you've gone with gut instinct. That's good. Yeah. It's probably not true, but it's the first thing that I thought of, so trust it. What about you, Matthew? Well, so I think that none of us saw a defeat on our first Leeds game, which is good. I saw a win and a defeat all in one. My first game was the legendary 4-1 victory over Stuttgart, 30th of September 1992. Remember the excitement of being allowed to stay up late? And go out with my dad and my granddad's wasn't something that happened particularly often. And also seeing them just as excited as me that we were off to the football. We were 3-0 down after the first leg. My dad said to me, 
beforehand, I remember it vividly, he said, look, son, you're not going to be too disappointed if we lose tonight. Everybody was expecting Leeds to crash out. We had no chance, no hope. There was only 20,000 people inside Elland Road because of that. And uh, we put on an awesome performance. Managed to get a 4-1 win, which wasn't enough. We lost on away goals. And then the following morning, I got woken up by my dad and he said, we've got another chance in Europe, son. They've said that they fielded an ineligible player and we can, uh, we, we're going to go to a replay and play Stuttgart all over again. Did he read that on teletext? <laughs> I, can't, I think it must have been on the radio that morning. But the, um, the thing is, ever since that's happened, every time we lose a big match... Still, kind of have a slight hope that the following morning somebody will have done no, somebody up. will have done something wrong and we'll uh, get another chance. Good old um, fielding of ineligible players. Yes. Before you move on to your favourite player, I remember even at primary school you coming to me and telling me about going to the Stuttgart game and then telling me that whole scenario. It's, it's crazy. And yeah. the I watched the highlights of that game so many times that I can name the starting eleven in the uh, exact way that the commentator Alan Parry read it out on the ITV broadcast that night which was (laughs) (laughs) number one John Lukic number two Scott Sellers number three Tony DiRigo number four David Batty number five Chris Fairclough number six Chris White number seven Gordon Strachan eight Eric Cantona nine Lee Chapman number ten Gary McAllister and eleven Gary Speed wow that's phenomenal. <laughs> it was a great lineup, and it had uh, my all-time favourite player, which I share with Andy, um, David Batty, because um, he was he was just leads that basically. He would always uh, be putting in the challenges that you wanted to see your players putting the challenges in, bossing people on the pitch, picking passes. I know he, he's got this reputation for always playing sideways passes, but he could uh, pick out a player at the other end of the pitch. Um, magnificently well and uh, it was always a shame when he uh, was cut adrift by Mr Venables I just found out an interesting fact about my first game that Robbie Blake played for Darlington in uh, a 20 year old Robbie Blake that's definitely a potential feature a foreshadowing you watch something that you didn't realise was later going to be some like Nuge in his playoffs (laughs) yeah let the game begin leads that <laughs> so because this is a, uh, a new podcast we need some new features and we thought what better way to come up with some new features than everybody to create one bring it to the party today and we'll try them all out now two of us Paul and I have done James and Andy haven't as far as we know mine is all about the Leeds United centenary season Ooh. and something that you should know as a Leeds fan but I bet that we don't so I'm going to ask you a very simple question and I want you all to give me an answer in turn. We'll do it alphabetically because that's the way that you're sitting. So Andy, tell me, in our hundred years, how many permanent managers have we had? And I'm not talking about John Carver and uh, Glyn Williams, Gwyn Williams or whoever he was, all those caretaker managers. I'm talking permanent. How many have we had in a hundred years? And Redders and Redders and Redders. Well, he was permanent as well. Yeah, he did a bit of both, didn't he? There you go, there's one for three. Well, it's more than one. I'm going to... 27. That's the number. 27. 27. James? It's a really good question, this. I think it's good as well, because we've had 
so many in recent years it's horrendous but I imagine for a long period of time there was only quite you know a small number um, I'm gonna go for 32 oh. again I, I think having a look at down the list about 50% of these have come since 2002 but I'm gonna go with 24 and a half James is closest Ooh. we've had 36 permanent managers in 100 years but you're right Paul that we've had around half of them since the turn of the millennium and the other half in the 20th century. So that was about uh, 18 managers in the 20th century, 81 years, and 20-odd managers in the um, second phase of that, which was only 19 years. Is that a point to James? Yeah, that's a point to James. But now we'll, we'll play the second half of this game. Andy, of those 36, how many of them do you think you could name? Give me a number. 36... You're going 36. No, 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 no. I'll go... <laughs> 13. 13. James, could you name more mm-hmm. than 13? I doubt it. I doubt it. So you're going to opt not to bid above 13. Paul, could yeah, you name more than 13? From the whole centenary, not just the one since then. Yes, from, th- from all 36 permanent managers. I'm allowed to write as I go. Yes. In fact, that'll probably be helpful yeah. so you don't repeat 14. Yourself. Done. 14. <laughs> Andy, do you want to bid 15? No. You say name them. You say name them. Okay. Go. This will be fun, fun, fun. Uh, David O'Leary. Correct. Howard Wilkinson. Yeah, I think George, he was. George Graham. Yep. Oh, I'm struggling now. Um... <laughs> Marcelo Bielsa Darko Milinic Dave Hockaday Thomas Christensen Oh, Clue Didn't even think about Cheers, pal Uwe Rosler Yep Gary The Snake Monk Yep You need another five by my maths Eddie Gray Yep Peter Reed. Yep Terry Venables Yep um, Two more. I've got four in reserve, pal. Should have bid higher then, shouldn't you? Don, someone or other. There's a stand named after it. Don Revy. <laughs> How many do I need? One more. Need one more. I'm totally out with it. You are not. I am. You are Come not. Come on. I'm out. I can't do it. Can we give him clues? Visual clues. Can we get audio oh, clues? Give clues. That, that's making I'm, su- I'm surprised. I can tick some more. Go on then. Gary McAllister. Yep. Brian McDermott. Correct. Clough. <coughs> Sorry, just did a sick. You choked on something. Yeah. Um, can I still name one more? Nope. You are did I lose? I think yeah. you did. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that rule wasn't properly stipulated, but um, you've lost all unlucky. I think that's fair. So there you go. What about Simon Grayson, okay. Dennis Wise? <laughs> <laughs> Just thought it'd be more fun to come a close second. Yeah, no, that's good. I idea. think I think you did well, but I'm surprised that the bids were so low. To be honest with you, I am. Just really. fear. More I bottled it. Okay. Well, there you go. We might play that again. We might not. Good game. I've got yeah, at least 14. If we play that again, and also if we play it, we can't name those managers. Well, we probably won't play it with managers. <laughs> I think maybe <laughs> freshen the questions. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Great, over to you then, Paul. Great, thank you, Matt. I'd like to launch a segment that I call 
Leeds United, play your players right. So, how it works, and this one that anyone can play along with as you're listening. I'm sure you played along to the last game, to be fair, but this one is uh, also get a scorecard, get a pen and paper. This You've got your own play your players right scorecard. Uh, you might need a pen. This handy. is proper preparation, this. this yeah, it's more than I've put into uh, I just love organised fun. Oh, organised fun. Uh, that's not true. Uh, Work really hard. So, this, I even brought a spare one for when Andy messes up. This is how it's going to work. I'm going to name a player from Leeds United's history and I'm going to tell you how many appearances he made for Leeds United. I'm then going to name a second player and I want you to write whether you think it was higher or lower than the appearances of the previous player. You've got a lot of time on your hands, haven't you? I like it. There's also a little bonus. I want you to write down how many appearances you think they made because if it comes to a tiebreaker, closest total appearances... Is gonna win it. Okay. Presumably, we don't write them down the first player. No, the first player is just gonna be put into the ether for you to know. It's like the card version, but I'm gonna tell you so that you've got a point of reference. Today, we're gonna to start with uh, Leeds United Loney Legends. Ooh, tasty. Or not so much. So, let's start off. I'm gonna start you off with. Uh, Radistan Kishishev. I knew you were going to say that. He was a real. Anyone want to have a guess before with that? This is just for fun. This is funsies. How many appearances do you think uh, Kish made for Leeds United? 11. I'm going 47, but it's probably too high. I don't think you're going to do very well at this game. 24. 17. Boom. So, no, you get nothing for that. Why? Just in the middle. So, next player. So we're going for higher or lower than Radistan Kishishev, and then your guess at the number of appearances. So you write down, I'll tell you. Ugo Ehiog, higher or lower than Radistan Kishishev, and how many appearances do you think he made? So while they're writing, I'll just tell you that Ugo Ehiog joined on loan from Middlesbrough. Wait a minute. He scored a spectacular goal. Can I have mine separate thing? And a, spect- <laughs> and a spectacular Oggy against Stoke. Have you messed your sheet up already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as, I wrote, pre- as predicted. I, I wrote I, Ugo Ekiog and then I realised I just got put <laughs> higher or lower. And... I only brought one spare card. So, um, let's go to James first of all. Do you, what do you think? Uh, did Ugo Ekiog make more or less appearances than Radisankis Chef? I've got no idea, but I've said lower. You want my number? Anyone, anyone beg to differ? No, I've said lower as well. Lower? That is correct. So, uh, well done, you guys. Uh, numbers, rough? Five. Close. Ten. I've gone 15. Six. He only played wow. six times and managed to score. If you look on my original ends. sheet, I did put six and scribbled it out. Well, doesn't count. So, moving on. So, the next player is, I think, had a bit of a legend reputation so how many appearances did they play to earn that Sam Sodger higher or lower than the six appearances made by Ugo Ahiog Sam Sodger joined from Reading uh, after playing for Leeds he went back to Charlton where he said felt where his heart was so Sam Sodger higher or lower than Ugo Ahiog Matt I've gone with higher 
Anyone, anyone differ? Higher. I've also gone with higher. Wow, this is uh, proving to be a stellar feature so far. That is correct. How many appearances, though? I've gone with eight. Only a couple more. Bang on the money. Uh, it's bang on the money. I put eight. You get nothing for bang on the money. <laughs> it's the total at the end. Let's see. So This is good research, Paul. I'm enjoying this. It's very good. Well, you good know, you've got, you got to be prepared, haven't you? <laughs> Every Cub Scout. No, when did not. your wife leave you? <laughs> uh, sometime <laughs> around uh, the end of the cricket. It was while you were setting up the uh, equipment for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not your fault, not your fault. So, mm. the uh, next low league. So, we want to know, higher or lower than Sam Sodji uh, was Jeff Horsfield. Jeff Horsfield joined on loan from Sheffield United. Did he? He did, yeah. I could have sworn it was West Brom. Yeah, I mean... I think it's because he scored against him and because Robles came from West Brom and then went to Sheffield United. I think he's most... Most associated with West Brom, um, Andy was. Did Jeff Horsfield make more or less appearances than Sam Sodji? He made more. Correct. How many more? Sam made eight appearances. How many appearances do you think Jeff Horsfield made for Leeds? Eleven. Close. It's fourteen actually, which is eleven more than he made for Sheffield United. He only made three appearances for Sheffield United. Signed for them in a permanent deal after his three loan appearances, and then uh, never played for him again. Just went out on loan. And for what it's Did worth, Jeff? for what it's worth, I'd also gone more and went with nineteen. Right, next one. Let's mix it up a little bit. Brett Ormrod, most famously missed a penalty for Leeds United. Yeah, against Preston. Against Preston. Yeah. Very good. Top knowledge, um, but. Did he, on his loan spell from Southampton, play more times or less times than Jeff Horsfield? James? I'm saying uh, lower. I'm going to go lower, yeah. Anyone beg to differ? No. I'm just saying we, lower. Just before as well. we go, we've had some awful loan players. Yeah, and these are, these are some of the better ones. These are some of the better ones, and uh, a lot of these players came in with relatively decent reputations that they only went on to ruin by playing for Leeds United. Correct. So, the answer is lower. Brett Armrod only played six times. Six? Six times. I've gone for eight. I had well, nine. I went Good. six. Did you? No, no of course four. he didn't. <laughs> I don't know why I believe you. Right. We're Wait. not going to say why this next player was what he's most famous for in his uh, load stint at Leeds United, but it's related to a Christmas party incident. <laughs> Who are we talking about? John Oster. Correct. So, uh, John Oster, did he play more or less times for Leeds United than Brett Ormrod? Ormrod was Ormrod six. was six. I've gone very slightly higher. I've gone lower. Ooh. Ooh. I've James. gone for exactly the same because I feel like it's the sort of trick you'd play on us, Paul. You think I'm playing a trick? <laughs> oh. Card, a card trick. <laughs> Uh, no tricks involved. Uh, no tricks involved. It was, in fact, higher. Yes. Is this the last guy? Yeah, I think this I've won. Last guy. I think this means I've won. Do you? It yeah. does. It yeah. does mean you've won. Yes. We don't even need the bonus. He uh, Seven. I've gone with. Eight. Not far. Not far. Very eight. Good. And who knows how many could have played if things had turned out differently. So, congratulations to Matt, who wins the uh, inaugural Play Your Players, right? Um, looking for forward to doing that again I can't believe we're nearly uh, two months on from Derby 
Oh, God. Feels like only yesterday. It feels, uh, well, it's one of those dark feelings that you don't want to look back on, but how was everyone feeling about it? Or how did you feel at the time, um, more specifically? The scarves were crap, weren't they? Uh, Cheap. Oh, yeah, but they, I mean, they were free. That was a nice gesture by the club, really. Cheap. Well, they had, to be, they had to be cheap. If they'd have put expensive scarves on every seat, we'd have had to sell Jamie Shackleton and Jack Clyde. <laughs> FFP, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Paul, how do you, how do you, well, how did you feel about it at the time? I try to always look at it in a sort of objective, philosophical kind of way to manage my grief or to avoid it, but so that we can, so to be able to move on because nothing's going to change it. So rather than feeling dreadful, I try to gloss over it, look at the positives and be uh, ready to move forward for the next season. You were right miserable in the car all the way home. I said, "What this is true, this is what I said, is that when you look at teams like Leicester and Brighton that have gone up eventually and, and consolidated their places in the Premier League, they didn't do it off the basis of one decent season. They actually had a couple of goes at it, built their squad and when they went up, it wasn't the massive culture shock. So I think if we have a, on the brighter side, if we have another season where we have a decent, strong season and get promoted we will be better for having had two seasons under our belt. Your exact words were, at least they give us a scarf to hang ourselves with. No, I think, Andy, that was uh, that was you, if I recall correctly. I was pretty miserable, to be fair, but who wouldn't be? We were so close, mm. and a combination of leads that moment had us pants down and we were in trouble. And this is why I have stood next to Paul for... 17 seasons now 16 17 seasons because yep. it's yin and yang <laughs> he wow. took the philosophical appro- approach and i went through exposure therapy didn't that, talk to I, anyone that, for several that, days that is, uh, that's the key isn't it it's that everyone feels that miserable but it's how you're handling it on the other side isn't it and i, I think, want and to know some, what some... exposure therapy is before we move on exposure therapy is when you fear something so you expose yourself to it in order to get used to it and for it to no longer bother you. So that's why I went through all of the uh, footage that I could from the game, read all the Derby County message boards, um, read all the tweets, watched Frank Lampard dancing in the Leeds United changing rooms. Um, and, you know, that's gone now, that's done. Not, they can't hurt me anymore, I've seen it. Fair enough. I think that what I will say is that the game itself felt like an out-of-body experience. I didn't think I was there. I was sort of sat watching it, not within myself. Uh, yeah. it, Strongbow dark fruits, that, mate. I, I, do, I do know exactly what you mean. There was that moment where... Um, do, you remember the, do you remember there was that um, fan in the West Stand who sort of ran up towards Frank Lampard and he was, like, swearing at him? And I remember at that moment, I just thought... You could, you could see Frank Lampard just stare at him and then stare at the uh, Revy stand. And I just thought... There's something about this that is not going to end well at all. I don't know what it was. It just felt like something. It was, it was the chant, wasn't it, mm. that was getting sung all way. I mean, it was a genius chant, to be fair, but it was just so preemptive and mm. it was just waiting for egg on your face, wouldn't you say, Matthew? Yeah, I would. Um, but I, I think that half time was like no other half time I've ever experienced. I mean, at that point, we were 2 1 up on aggregate. Um, they just scored but only because we'd let them 
not because they'd done anything particularly special. I don't. I still don't think they won that game. I think <laughs> yeah. we lost it. Yeah. And, but we were sat there at half time, moping around. We thought, you know, this is only going to end one way, and we were right. I fully agree, Matt. I'd, I'd never been to anything that like a live event like it where there's pure ecstasy and elation, and then mm. boom, complete silence. Yeah. And the, the players just felt it, and the whole place just went. It's, it's one of those moments, isn't it, where um, everything's affecting one another. It's cyclical, isn't it? It's like the fans are feeling it, the players feel it, the players are feeling it, so the fans feel it, and it just you, you could kind of see it happening, couldn't you? I think one of the problems was that it was supposed to be an intimidating atmosphere. We wanted to try and intimidate Derby with a full house. All we needed was to maintain a 1-0 lead to go through to Wembley. And it wasn't an intimidating atmosphere at all. It was loud, but it was more like a celebration. It was like we'd already got there people waving the scarves around their head and getting way too excited and that, you know, made it even worse when we eventually lost. Flaming them scarves. <laughs> it was, it looked well, but Ellen Road's a cauldron. It's not a carnival. It's meant to be scary. So, that's that and that's done. It needs to be How, buried, doesn't it? The, the important issue, which was what will have been said amongst the team and amongst the unit and uh, within the hierarchy of the club is, how do we now move that forward into the forthcoming season? How do they move it forward? How do we move forward as fans when, when we've had that big trauma? Sell Pontus. <laughs> Sounds ideal, that. Leads that. I think, um, I think to answer James's original question, two months on is about the right space of time. When the fixtures came out, I'd say, is when I started to get more excited about the new season. We booked ourselves tickets for York City because we couldn't afford flights to Perth. And... Um, yeah, I'm definitely in the mindset now that we can't wait for Bristol City and uh, get going and hopefully we do it this year. What's the one thing that's made you most excited this summer for, for the new season? Well, I think that it's the obvious one to say is Bielsa signing on for a second year. If he hadn't done that, then we really would uh, we really would be down in the dumps. They but... wasted no time in getting them uh, billboards up around the city celebrating Bielsa staying on. Yeah, because he's such a big selling point for us that everybody knows how important he was to last season. When he signed his renew his renewal or whatever you want to call it, um, I loved the whole period of time where everyone was. There was that rumor of him signing a, up for a PCP agreement with Volkswagen, <laughs> and and I love that being the confirming moment of uh, that he was staying. That was typical Leeds, and rightly so. I mean, well, you wouldn't buy a Volkswagen if you weren't staying in Leeds, <laughs> would you? To touching on all this stuff, I think it would be unfair as not to comment on how impressive the Leeds United social media team have been in the last season especially Digital Wilson killing it lad when the smoke came up for Bielsa signing his contract everyone was as giddy as obviously we joked about Pontus in that bit but um, I know everyone's a bit divided on on him you know whether he should have stayed or, or whether he should have left the club and that's obviously down to the powers that be but I get the impression from reading around that it's mainly to do with Bielsa and do, do you also get the impression that um, maybe Orta and Radrizani did want him to stay? What are your, what are your thoughts on it? I think that in, in this digital day and age we all feel really entitled to know everything mm. all the time and we feel that we're, as fans we're owed an, a huge explanation and we're all, you know, digital twitter-based investigative journalists Mm. and when we don't get that explanation which we're not entitled to we you know it's a 
club a business at the end of the day and there will be decisions that are made if they, the club don't have to explain every decision that they do make and at the end of the day someone has, has decided that that was the right thing for the club they're not doing it with the mindset that it's going to hurt us they think that that's going to move us forward so I think the whole deal if you believe what's been said screams volumes about him that he's been offered to the Premier League he's been offered here there and there nobody wanted him no one would touch him now for me on his day Ponitz is one of the best defenders in the championship by a distance but he's absolutely mental he's ready just to go off at any point isn't he and that doesn't really go the side before self thing, does it? Get rid, see ya, have fun in Brentford, all the best, shut the door on your way out. I think that's the only way we can look at it because he's gone now and we have to uh, accept it and put it behind us. But he, we can't get around the fact that he was an excellent player, probably our best defender. He was streets ahead of what we'd had before when he first came into that side under Gary Monk. And I think that for me, as daft as it might sound, it reminds me a little bit of Eric Cantona because he's a player who's a great player in our uh, squad and he'll be a great player in Brentford's squad but because the manager has a set idea of what he wants his set principles Bielsa and Wilkinson quite similar in that regard they've um, seen fit to sacrifice them uh, and I think that we have to accept that but it doesn't mean that he won't come back play against us and probably score a hat-trick ahead of us and who here would take Janssen over Bielsa? No. Not at all. No. no. So, resoundingly, we're happy he's gone. You do make a really good point, though, Paul, um, about what you're saying, you know, and everyone wanting to know the intricate details. I think there's maybe like an undertone of some players being unhappy that their friends left the club. Um, you know, they've all obviously voiced support, well, not support, but, you know, pro. Pontus post which is nice but I think ultimately they obviously feel a bit vulnerable because one of the one of someone who they regard as one of the better players has been sold so does it mean my job's are, you know going to be affected here or, and I imagine there's a bit of that but as soon as the season starts it'll all be forgotten it's because there's no football going on at the minute it's just hard grit and training every week or well, every day isn't it so I think as soon as that's we're past that I thought it was quite interesting. As I think on Instagram, the two players that Pontus called out when he said goodbye were Johnny Alioski and Gaetano Berardi. Mm. Um, so I, I think that's camp camp slightly mental. I tell you what, that's yeah. a part you want to yeah. get invited to <laughs> that's, that in it. And my that's days. really true. That's really true, Matthew. Actually, because did he just not respond to anyone else? I don't think so. I think they were the two people he put as you know friends forever in his yeah. uh, Instagram story. But, but this is it as well. This is what you, you know. Back to your point, Paul, is that we just want to know the details and because he hasn't replied to everyone else everyone sees that so you think oh is there problems with everyone else you know it's, be a it's cracking great. party that one <laughs> the other issue that I have with this with the uh, wanting to know everything and building up to uh, decisions is that I think it has a genuine effect on on, on your mental health because mm. I sat for what maybe a week before we actually sold Pontus looking at the thread on uh, on Waco and this impending doom Wacko is never good for your mental health mate. It, it grew and grew and grew whereas before you might just find out players been sold and yeah it hurt but that it was it was awful watching and building I mean, you couldn't not look mm-hmm. and uh, I had to actually ban myself from, from going on because it was just all doom and gloom and utter madness this is coming from the guy who said he was 
cup half full after the derby defeat <laughs> and then he can't read an internet site because Pontus might be sold. I'm not bothered about Pontus being sold. That's that's not the issue. It's the manner in which people it's in the this experience day and age, of it. It's the full experience. Because if you think back to the summer of 2006, so we just missed out on the playoffs, albeit that year we uh, actually made it to the uh, final. Um, we kept Look, the same manager. Know. We kept the same manager. Um, we we had every reason to think we'd go into another season and have another go at promotion. Uh, and we sold Robles to uh, Sheffield United. And we found out about that pretty instantaneously. Yep, at Flamingo Land. While we were on uh, a, a day out at Flamingo Land. Were we, we, we sponsored by Flamingo Land at the time as well? No, I the think, that, I think that, that was pre, that. pre Flamingo Land sponsorship. We were there with a Sheffield United fan. Uh, yes, we were. Um, and You didn't call him a friend, did you? <laughs> it turned no, out. It's just someone we know that supports Sheffield United. <laughs> it turned out that. Um, that was pretty crucial to our to how we performed in the following season so let's just hope history doesn't repeat itself on that front fingers crossed so one of our friends that we go to games with regularly works as a barista in uh, a coffee shop in central Leeds which we're not going to name if they pay us we'll name them and he constantly spots Leeds United related people around and about town so in a regular feature, we are going to ask Nathan, our dear friend who didn't make the cut for the podcast, to tell us what's been going on in his coffee shop. Who's in the shop? Who's in the shop? Who's been in Nathan's coffee shop? Now then, guys, hope everything's good. Nothing really serious, unfortunately, happening over here at um, since it's the off-season. Last to report was that Rajrazani was in before and after the Derby game um, away. Um, he was in a pretty decent mood, but did warn me not to book anything for Wembley. Um, so, I don't know, maybe me pre-booking a hotel was, was bad luck. Uh, other than that, we had Lorenzo Tonetti kicking about here, there and everywhere. But he's in Inter at the moment. So, rumour is he's been looking at Ryan Nolan, who's a centre-back. Um, to replace Janssen um, but that's not really uh, nothing's really come out of that so far and, and there's not much else the only other person who's been in is Adam Underwood he's been in a couple of times a week really um, probably just generally because he likes the place not really Leeds related or anything I imagine but he uh, he was last time he was in really for, for a decent amount of time he did an interview with I believe one of the other um, Leeds related podcasts or magazines um, there is an article somewhere I've tried to find it I've not got a fucking clue who it was or where it is other than that I'm afraid it's pretty quiet over here uh, Moz has been in more than anyone from, uh, from Leeds United so he's the guy to ask cheers boys and I think we now all know why Nathan hasn't made the cut for the podcast. Tune in again for another exciting segment. Can, can we just uh, can we just pick out a couple of things from that? Yeah. Who was he talking about? Who's the guy who's been in a bit? 
Oh, I know, do you not know? I know Adam Underwood, but the other fella. The did f- you say well. Bobby Zanetti, did I? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Bobby Zanetti? I'll tell you what. Did he say Bobby? I don't know. Let's mean Tom Zanetti. I'll tell you what, the bats. unnamed coffee shop will be delighted that we haven't named them now because people will be <laughs> staying well clear based on that clip. I'll just, go, I'll just go to a decent chain in Weatherby. So, incoming transfers. Let's uh, have a chat about that. Andy, what do you think? Good summer? <laughs> I'd so like to see another defender come in. Um, but uh, Matt, when we went to York, pointed out quite well that last year we started with Berardi and Cooper, even though Janssen was there. I know Berardi's obviously going to be out for the first game suspended, but... Why is that? Because he's loose and got sent off against Derby for absolutely no apparent reason other than going crazy. I blame the ref. That's another thing that I definitely do is that I look for yeah. little excuses because that was definitely the ref's fault. But, but Derby's yeah, but definitely buried there, right? It's done buried and moved on. Move <laughs> on, move on. You, you play to the whistle, don't you? Don't just lose your head and go, boom. That's what VAR's for, though. VAR should come in. Yeah, but he still gets sent off after they've gone, yeah, he's been done that, but then he's just well, too a, There's been a glut of poor referees this season, and that was just another one, wasn't it? It's like, that, that is the game you want someone to get a handle on. But we've, we've buried this. Yeah. We're so, over it. But, well, I, I think we're supposed to be talking about new signings, but since we've, <laughs> uh, since we've um, touched on Berardi, I'm another one of those people who will forgive him for pretty much anything and it, it, it was just a Swiss man isn't he it was exactly what you would have done if you were on the pitch it was this is all going Speaking horribly wrong James it's exactly what James would have done <laughs> it's exactly what pitch. James would have done but it's exactly what I would have done if I had any fitness and you know I'd have been charging around just trying to get hold of the ball and trying to get a grip on the game because it had all gone mm. to pot and we're not supposed to be talking about Derby it's still clearly top of our minds but Whoa. you know Berardi had had a good season up to that point that was the first time last season where his discipline went um, and I think that he can be trusted um, but, but what we don't know, the unknown quantity is Ben White. He might yeah. be fantastic. What what I really like about um, the setup of Leeds at the moment under Bielsa, obviously, is that the fact that the teams are so tight together, aren't they? The under twenty three's first team and under eighteens as well. So I mean, it was McCalmont who was playing the other night, and th- was that just a test to bring him up to? I mean, he's playing with basically the first team, wasn't he? And he did not look out of place. Again, I know it's York, and I mean no disrespect, but so I didn't go to York. Tell tell me your thoughts on the York game. Big big win, Matt. Pre-season friendlies are not generally very memorable, and I don't tend to go to that many. But as far as I can remember, that was probably the best I'd ever seen us perform in a pre-season friendly. We looked up for it from the word go, and. Um, you know, you scored five goals and we never really gave York a, a sniff. And I think what was really impressive was that we looked pretty ruthless with the first team. Um, going forward, you thought that we could score every time we attacked. Once the under-23s came on, York could either get hold of the ball. We weren't quite as clinical in front of goal. We didn't create quite as many chances. But in terms of keeping possession and ball play, it was really impressive. And see, I thought they were going at half pace. I was quite bored. <laughs> well, 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 there is that element, isn't there, of that, um, you know, obviously they've got to go out and deliver tactically what Bielsa tells them, but they're not going to go all hell Exactly. Well, and, and also, you're always going to be bored when it doesn't matter. This is why I hate watching football that doesn't involve Leeds United, because you're not invested in it. You don't care what happens, usually. You need to start gambling more now. <laughs> Bees bets! Bees bets! 
Lose all your cash on Bees bets. So we've got a friend who lives in South Korea who's a massive Leeds fan, haven't we? Uh, he used to go to games with all you guys. We have. Beave. And if you want to know why he's called Beave, rhymes with Steve. <laughs> it is that straightforward. <laughs> you get stuck with these things, don't you, that you get uh, given it in year four or year five and they just live with you for life. I mean, Beave's no- notorious for, uh, you know, betting basically and they're always pretty shit the ones he's recommended to me so what is he is he been recommending some for us for the podcast i got in touch and uh, re- uh i said can you give us something because we're previewing a couple of games aren't we but i said give us something for the season so he's laid out a little lacquer that he thinks he's, we've got no odds on it but let's have a look and we don't condone uh or we do condone i think it's I think... Bet, bet responsibly is the phrase oh, right, bet yeah, responsibly right, yeah. be gamble aware when the fun stops, stop. Beef suggests that we go with a goal scorer accumulator, strong arm emoji, strong arm emoji. Uh, Bamford 15 plus league goals, Costa 10 plus league goals, Harrison 8 plus league goals, Pablo 7 plus league goals, Shackleton 5 plus league goals, and Ben White 3 plus league goals. <laughs> we have really set ourselves up for a fall with this because we can't not put that on now. No, we will be putting that on. <laughs> We're going to have to have a whip round and stick some money on that. Five pounds each. Do you know what? It sounds plausible to me, that. Uh, where's it going to fall down? Is that something we the can goals? Track? <laughs> yeah. Is that something we can track every week? Every, well, we can. Every like podcast. We'll, we'll end up with... We can uh, look in. We can yeah. look in. We'll end up with loads of these uh, running. Mm, that's true. Mind you, we do need to fill space, so that's fine. <laughs> so Harrison's going to get eight plus league goals. I like that. That's Believe good. it. Yeah. I'll buy that. But is, the, point of this, the point of this segment is that Beef has crazy bets. Mm. Yeah. And I now we've all just sat and gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's, sounds great. He's come up with something quite plausible there. It probably won't happen. I mean, I've been sat next to Beaver at a game where Leeds have gone 1-0 down and he's whipped his phone out and put 400 quid on us to win. So that's the sort of uh, guy we're talking about here. But that accumulator doesn't sound too outrageous. Or on a rare occasion, we've been... 3-0 up after 75 minutes and he's cashed out so that he can put it all on 6 or 7-0. Good old Beef. Beef's bets! Beef's bets! Lose all your cash on Beef's bets! The thing that I was most impressed with at York and the thing that, you know, I could see the work that they'd done over the summer with Bielsa at Thorpe Arch was when a ball... Uh, appeared loose at the edge of our penalty area and uh, Liam Cooper and Kiko Casilla were caught in two minds about whose ball it was. I heard Kiko Casilla yell, yours, 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 which uh, means they've obviously done a lot of work on that and hopefully we won't have any repeats of... uh, Do you think they spent a full day in training sorting that out? I I suspect that, yeah, I suspect that's a daily routine. Um, But as it was, we played very well. I thought Jack Harrison was outstanding. Um, my favourite comment was from you, Matthew, and he's got no end product, and I went, he scored two and set one up. Yeah, that was a that was an oversight <laughs> on my part. To be fair, we were at the other end of the pitch, but I, I remember um, last season at York uh, as well. Um, there was one player who stood out, and it was uh, Matthias Click, and um, and I think is 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 it that sort of game where just you see one person literally just stand up above the crowd? And I really hope it is Jack Harrison because I I thought he he get he got a bit of stick off fans uh, last season because of him being inconsistent, but I think there's there's something there, and I think he, he could have an absolutely cracking season to be honest. Yeah, and I'd, I don't agree that he was inconsistent. I think he got better as the season yeah, went along yeah, pretty steadily. 
I think we're all excited about Elder Costa, but for me, I just don't know where he's going to play, what his best position is. His goal against Geyser was brilliant. Mm. Again, it's against Geyser, but... And it's assist. Yeah, you don't see many of our players, really, getting the ball in that position and doing that with it. Um, but it's where he's going to play. Is he going to be the number 10? Is Pablo going to be on the wing again? Who's going to be on the left? Jack Harrison? Who's, there's a lot of questions to be answered. It does feel like one of those signings where no one really knew him when we were rumoured to be getting getting him. And, um, and But then all of a sudden, everyone's been really excited. It's that everyone fueled him on another. We've got to sign Costa. If we don't sign Costa, our season's over. And then we finally sign him and everyone's like, yes, brilliant, we've signed Costa. He's going to change the world for us. And really, we don't... We, no one's really watched or knows too much about him but, but from but, what but, I've seen he looks very good there's but, a very dangerous game and it's getting excited about players based upon their YouTube highlights yeah. and there's Costa. another dangerous game as well getting excited about a player based on how much we've spent on them because actually the opposite is generally true when it comes to Leeds United or how well they've done for Wolves true Barry Douglas <laughs> true he has been injured to be fair I think the yeah, important I, thing I like is wherever him. I like him I think the important thing is wherever he plays is that he is somebody to take a bit of the load off Pablo because Pablo's a year older at the end of this last season once Saiz was out of the picture we were expecting him to do nearly all of the creative work so if there's somebody who can take a bit of the attention away from Hernandez and do more of uh, more of the finding space creating assists and mm. you know slotting through our strikers then I think we're in a well, we'd be in a much better place well I think that's that's it isn't it it probably is um much to do with the fact that maybe Pablo might retire at the end of the season and who who have we got to replace Pablo? So this leads me nicely to the next point. Where do we play Mr Costa? Because him and Douglas linked up so well in the year that Wolves went up and won it. Now, for me, Alioski starts at left back. No, Douglas, where does Costa go? Because Harrison's going to start if you're Bielsa. You really think Alioski will start at left back? He's going to play him. He has to play him. He played every game and he was fit. He was like a Joracel bunny. Who's, who's Sean out of our new signings? Are we classing Jack Harrison as a new signing, Jack Clark? Or we just... Well, I think Jack Harrison is a uh, new, new signing in the sense that he wouldn't have been here if we hadn't signed him this summer. But um, Fair point. I think he's, um, as I said before, I think he got better as the season went on last season. And I think... If we hadn't re-signed him, we would probably be watching him play very, very well for uh, another Brentford. club. Yeah, potentially. No, he doesn't fit there. You see, I'm just not interested in Jack Clark anymore. But Why? Why, Andy? I, I, once you're gone, you're gone. I don't want him to, us to come back and just train him up for another year, give him more experience. And you can say, oh, yeah, he could have gone to another championship club, whatever. But he's, he's showing his cards. He's not interested. He wants to go. See you later. Bye-bye. Well, the interesting thing about Jack Clark is that he, everybody said he, he never was the same after his illness at Middlesbrough, but actually he was pretty terrible at Rotherham away, which was before that game. Um, when he started, he never looked quite as good as he did when he came on. And once other teams saw that he was a bit of a weapon, they were putting uh, two players on him. I, I don't think he's at the level to play um, regularly for, for Leeds in terms of playing, you know, starting week in, week out. But he has a massive potential, and I think as an impact player, which he was when he was at his best last season, that's what he was. He'd come on as a sub, like Villa was unbelievable, wasn't it? But for me, where Leeds United, we shouldn't be getting somebody else's player better and getting them trained up to go on and do better things. I know we're doing that with Harrison, but we've got an option to buy. Yeah, yeah. 
We're doing but if we do, then we're going to be promoted. Yeah, but uh, and I'd rather do it. I'd rather give Jamie Shack a go up well, there because I we'll, think he could play. That could play anywhere. Well, Jamie Shack, I'm, I'm delighted that we decided to uh, the sacrificial lamb was Jack Clark and not Jamie Shackleton because he is what from what I've heard is the one that's had all the potential they weren't talking about Jack Clark Jamie Shackleton's the one they've talked about and from what I've seen over the last season I was far more excited from what mm. I saw from Jamie Shackleton yeah agreed yeah Jack Clark's slightly more eye-catching when he's going past a player but other than that mm. Jamie Shackleton was you more know, effective all-round player I think that it, the Jack Clark thing calls to my mind Paul Robinson in our Premier League relegation season because he would all but signed for Tottenham that January and was never the same after that. His heart wasn't in it. And I think if you spoke to Paul Robinson, he'd probably say, no, I was you know, fully, in, fully committed to keeping Leeds United up. But I think in the back of your mind, you're now a Tottenham player. And um, it's not quite the same as it was when you were a full-time permanent Leeds, Leeds man. Are we happy for Kiko to start the season as number one? Do we think that's what's going to happen? I I would say the general consensus among the fan base is that they they don't didn't really uh, take to him and didn't get out of him what they expected from uh, loan signing from Real Madrid, who's won the Champions League several times in a row. I think he's got a start, but um, the most criminal thing from last year for me was that the Player of the Awards, Player of the Year awards do. And Peacock Farrell's not been even nominated for Young Player of the Year because he was, what, eight, 18, was he? Wearing number one for Leeds? 20, for, 21, I think. 26 and a half. Like seven, he's like seven and he's starting for <laughs> I think, Leeds. I think he's 20. He's certainly younger than Calvin Phillips, I'd guess. But you, you know what I mean? And he, he played, what, 20-odd games and he conceded a lot less than no, Peacock? No, I, I completely, completely agree. I think he... Um, he was more deserving than was it Tyler Roberts that won it in the end Jack Clark Jack Clark yeah definitely more more uh, deserving of it I'd say uh, and he's done alright for Northern Ireland but uh, uh, Kiko speaks for himself doesn't he yours 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 Bailey's 22 the thing I think about Kiko is the whole thing that he is typical of what Leeds fans could start the season like they could be on his back or be nervous about everything and then it spreads into everyone else on the pitch so we he has to forget it it's like the cyclical thing I talked about earlier he has to forget it we have to forget it and they need to not feed into one another otherwise it'll just spiral I think the thing that Kiko's got in his favour is there's a few players who have the same yeah. problem at the start <laughs> of next season so he's he can share the load with uh, Mr Bamford uh, Mr. Cooper and Mr. Berardi. Well, that, that's the other thing, isn't it? Is that you? Sorry, Andy, I interrupted then. But you get the um, you get the emphasis on defence and goalkeepers causing problems. But the problems really for us, when you look at the stats, are all up up front. Really, we're, yeah. we've not banged in the chances that we've had. So, do we need a new striker? Is that what you're saying? I don't think we need a new striker. You, you forget that um, I don't, I, Patrick Bamford's not. To everyone's taste, but he's not really had a proper shot, has he? I mean, he was uh, he was injured. <laughs> proper shot, yeah. A wonderful shot, at Preston. The hell uh, shot yeah, that was a cracking strike. But you know, he was injured for a long period of time, and um, it, a knee injury is going to take a, a significant knee injury is going to take a while to come back from. So I think you know you've got to give him that. We've had the fixtures for about a month now. Yeah, coming up, mm-hmm. coming up yep. a month, kicking off against Bristol City. And when you got the fixtures out, what was the first game that you looked for? 
I, I always look for Boxing Day and see what we're doing on Boxing Day and around Christmas. What are we doing on Boxing Day? On Boxing Day, we're at home against Preston, which is which has got me excited because it reminded me of that wonderful Boxing Day we had against Preston away a couple of years ago. Going back to the Bristol game, first game of the season, uh, I mean, if you were going to travel there, how would you travel there, Paul? Well, as it happens, I have a away game travel informant who is an anonymous tipster. Um, who has provided us with some information on the best way to uh, get to Ashton Gate. Can I stop this segment? Where are you starting from? Always from Ellen Road? This is starting from Leeds. Right. So, uh, Like most of us will. Away Game Informant has provided some information on how to get to Ashton Gate with a starting point of Leeds. It's going to tell us the best in uh, directions. Ellen Road. Starting in <laughs> Leeds at Ellen Road. Bringing us the best in directions, parking... And uh, meal choice. Meal choices. Does he cater for vegans? That's all I want to know. I'm not vegan, but I just want to find, I need to clarify that. Really. No, probably not. Um, I doubt it. So let's see what the away day informer had to say about getting to Bristol City from Ellen Road in Leeds. <laughs> Bristol City, Ashton Gate, route M1 southbound, onto the A42 slash M42, onto the M5. Come off at Junction 19 and head towards the Clifton Suspension Bridge and then follow the road to the right down towards the ground. Best parking advice is to get to the ground, turn around and head back out again. Find a car park on the left-hand side of the main road so you're facing out to head home. Best McDonald's stop both directions on the A42 at the junction with the A644. Head towards Nuneaton. It even has a drive through if you are feeling lazy. So that's it. Thanks for joining us on our first, our, our inaugural um, pilot episode podcast for Leeds That. Um, Lost our podcast virginity. Yeah, yeah we, we have. It? Did you enjoy it? Well, most of it. <laughs> I think once we got the rhythm right, it was, uh, it was okay. It was a lot messier than I expected. Well, we'll leave it at that. But, the other um, one tidied up afterwards. All right, so we won't leave it at that. But um, okay, so yeah, if you need to contact us, um, you can find us on Twitter. It's at leads that, I and mean, it's the same on Instagram and Facebook. Um, website will be up and live soon. So yeah, we hope to see you on the next episode. Podcast Network.